Praise the Lord, church. Are we ready to continue fighting the good fight? Amen. That's why you're here today. You didn't come for nothing, right? Uh, it was a windy day yesterday, but I see that wind didn't scare you away. And whenever I uh, experience the wind, it does remind me of the Holy Spirit. Uh, because in the first, uh, first story of creation in Genesis chapter 1, it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Um, and then we find in Acts chapter 2 that when the people of God were filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized by the Holy Spirit, it said there was a wind that took over the room. So anytime you feel the wind, I want you to, to think about the fact that God is with you, uh, that he's moving in our midst. Amen? God is with you, and, and he's not a stagnant God, and he doesn't want us to be a stagnant people. we got to be on the move. Amen? Um, and so, uh, and when the wind blows, right, the, the wind is not uh, uh, thinking about uh, and being sensitive about what it's blowing. It just blows. And, and that just demonstrates to us that the, 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 the spirit of God is powerful. The spirit of God is, is mighty. Amen? And able to continue to move us. Um, and so, uh, again, it's a privilege to, uh, to share the word of God this morning. I, I take it very seriously and, and the opportunity to open up God's word today to look to the Lord for direction, look to the Lord for encouragement, look to the Lord for correction, um, for inspiration in our lives, for purpose for our lives. Amen? Um, I, I find that, uh, man, it's, it's such a rewarding thing to live every day on purpose as a child of God. There's no wasted day when you're part of God's plan. There's no such thing as waiting around for the next big thing. We already got a big thing. Jesus came. He died on the cross. He rose again. He's called us to be part of his team. There's work to be done. There's redemption to be, to be, to be made. There is healing to take place. There's reconciliation that needs to happen. And we've been given an invitation to be part of God's team. So every day has purpose when we're in the will of God. Amen? We don't, we don't need uh, 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 restaurants to be open or movie theaters to be open to give us purpose in our life. We got purpose enough. It doesn't matter what's open or what's closed. All, all, all that matters is that God's work stays open 24 hours a day. God is working more than 7-Eleven. He never closes down. He's at work. Remember all the stories about Jesus when Jesus would get called out by the Pharisees because he would do something on a Sabbath and you weren't supposed to work on a Sabbath. And so the first thing, that, they wouldn't even pay attention to the miracle that just took place. They were blind to the fact that somebody was just lame and now they got up and started running, doing jogging in place and jumping jacks. They were blind to the fact that Jesus came and did these amazing things, pointing to the power of God and the ability of God. But instead, they wanted to call out the fact that Jesus was doing it on a Sabbath. And Jesus says, well, hey, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. When my father stops working, I'll stop working. Um, and, 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 of course, that was a rhetorical statement to point them to the fact that God never stops working. He never stops working on you. Aren't you thankful? He never stops working on me. I know I'm grateful because I need it. Every single day I need God to refine me, to work in me, to encourage me, to remind me who I am and what I was called to do. In fact, yesterday I, I had a, a wonderful opportunity, and, and, I, and I don't state this uh, flippantly or, or even uh, facetiously, but I had a wonderful opportunity yesterday to attend a funeral. And some of you might be thinking, man, what do you mean a wonderful opportunity to attend a funeral, right? 
Many of us are like, give me a birthday, give me a baby shower, but, but don't, don't ask me to go to a funeral because that's depressing. Man, some of us in here might think there's nothing good that could come out of being part of a memorial service. But I want to tell you something. I walked away from that memorial service yesterday being reminded of who God called me to be. Being reminded that my days are numbered on this earth. Being reminded that I, I can't go around wasting my seconds and my minutes and my hours and my days because God's got a purpose for my life. Uh, the, 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 the person that we went to celebrate their home going and, and reunite, uh, reuniting with their creator uh, was a good friend of mine's father. I never actually got a chance to meet him personally, but I know his son, which means I know his fruit. Does that make sense? So, so I, and when I heard people come up and talk about his impact and his life, it made sense to me because I know his son. And I know how his son lives and the kind of person that he is and his heart and his character. And all of that was shaped by his father who went to be with the Lord last month. And he was a, a Samoan family. Uh, his name was Pastor Saoni Tuitolao. And his son is one of my best friends. And when I went to, to go be part of this memorial service... The thing I kept hearing over and over again was he gave himself to the service of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was an evangelist and traveled the world, not just to the, to the Polynesian islands, but also to Latin America and various parts of the world to preach the gospel because to him there was nothing more important than people hearing about what God could do in their life. I heard yesterday while people were sharing that every time somebody heard him preach or teach or even have a conversation in the last church that he and his wife were part of before he passed away and went to be with the Lord in heaven, they were greeters at the front door. And he says, whatever it takes for me to serve the Lord, that's my calling. He says, if it means preaching, I'll preach. If it means greeting, I'll greet. If it means, you know, helping a family out in need, I'll help out. Over the course of their life, they took in many people and even adopted a few people that needed a home over their life. This was a beautiful uh, story of a man of God who gave his life in service of the kingdom of God. And many people have come to know Jesus through his ministry, particularly within the Samoan American community in the Southern California and Northern California region. And it was an honor to be able to hear these stories. For me, as a, as a, you know, I still consider myself a young man. It was an honor for me to hear these stories because it reminded me in those moments of these truths, of this calling, of this identity that we have, that there's nothing more important for us than to recognize that God has a plan and a purpose for our every single life. There's no wasted moments. You know, I was particularly blessed by the, the worship team yesterday that came together. I don't know if you've ever been to a gathering of our Samoan brothers and sisters in Christ in a church service or not. But, man, everybody could sing. And so there were like six people with microphones, but, but, but the other, you know, number of folks that were there didn't need any microphones because it sounded like an angelic choir singing songs. And one of the songs that they sang in Samoan and in English that I was blessed by was the song Soon and Very Soon. You ever heard that song? Andre Crouch's song, soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Hallelujah, 
Hallelujah, we're going to see the king. And another verse goes like this. No more crying there. We are going to see the king. No more crying there. We are going to see the king. No more crying there. We are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the king. We're getting the, we're getting the keyboard going. Is that all right? Can we just worship the Lord again and, and remind ourselves it, during this time, as we, as we talk about putting on the full armor of God, as we talk about being equipped, we've so far we've talked about the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and today we're talking about shoes of peace, the shoes of peace. But when we talk about the full armor of God, it's because, like we've been talking about, we're in the middle of a battle, and we have to be reminded that we can't, we, we don't have any time to waste. We don't have another day to, 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 to throw down the drain. God is at work right now in us and in our communities. I believe even especially because of the coronavirus pandemic, it's given us an opportunity where there are ears that are now open to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because whatever this world offers, ain't cutting it anymore. We need something bigger, and that something is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. And we're going to be reunited with him. That's our faith. That's our hope. That's what we believe in our heart. Hallelujah. Oh, soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. Yes, soon and very soon. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah. 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 We're going. Let's sing it again. Soon and very soon. Hallelujah. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the, hey, whether we like it or not, this is the truth. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Oh, soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Sing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to sing that verse. No more crying there. No more crying there. We are going to see the king. No more crying there. We are going to see the king. Sing, no more crying. No more crying there. We are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see, let's sing. Come on, one more time. Soon and very soon. Soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. Oh, soon and very soon. Yes, we are going to see the king. Oh, soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. Sing hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, come on, sing it again. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. Yeah, we're going to see the King face to face, hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. No matter what we're facing or going through right now, that's our hope and our promises. We're going to see the king. Oh, man, that's going to be a glorious and beautiful day. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't get me wrong. We, we enjoy, you know, the life that he's given us right here. There's some good stuff that comes along with it. But don't get it twisted. This does not even compare to what it will be like when we meet our Savior again one day. And he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have served me well. You weren't perfect, but you've served me well. Man, that's going to be a beautiful moment. Hallelujah. Soon and very soon. And so I... Thank you, Jonathan, and thank you, team, for coming on out. But it reminds me of, of this, this urgency that we have in the calling that we've been given to take advantage of every single moment because that's an opportunity for us to be aligned with the will of God because there are those who desperately need to hear what God has to do. You see, I think one of the problems with our evangelistic uh, uh, Protestant faith over certain decades was that we made it about me. We made it about, oh, man, as long as I get to my own personal salvation with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then I get my ticket into heaven. But I want to tell you something. The thing about God's calling on our lives is that there's both an invitation and a responsibility. Right? So, so when we say, I got my ticket, then Peter at the gates is going to say, okay, how many RSVP'd with you? Because there ain't no solo tables in the kingdom of God. So when we're called to, to receive and accept what God has done in our life, we've also been given an invitation to live our lives in such a way that others would be able to say, man, I am so thankful for this person's life because through their life I was able to see the truth of the gospel lived out. I was able to, to, to see somebody who, who was doing everything they could to be ready for the fight that we're discussing here this morning, to put on the whole armor of God. Amen? So it made me think about this. I was thinking about, you know, I've never served in the military, and I know we have some folks in here who have, but, you know, from what I've heard from those who have served in the military, you show up and you get, you get some stuff that's called general issue, or you get a, a certain package of things when you first show up, right? And, and usually they give you what you need, uh, to be ready for that training and for that combat that you're going into, right? It might have to do with may maybe getting a, a knife and a gun and some boots and fatigues and different things that you need to go into that battle. And, and as much as I, I never served in the military, I did have a chance to play football. So when I showed up, typically, you know, before we get started, oftentimes, you know, we have, a, we have practice, we get in shape, we condition, and, and then usually the way it goes, it's kind of like a rite of passage, is you have to work your way and you have to earn the right to receive equipment. If you didn't pass tr a training and conditioning for a certain few weeks, then you don't even think about asking them to give you a helmet or shoulder pads or cleats. They're going to say, nope, sorry, you're not ready. And when you're ready, we'll call you back because we have stuff for you here, but we're not going to give it to you yet because you're not ready for it. And so in the, in the different areas that I played, you typically show up and, and they give you everything they need, that you need, right? They make sure that you're all set up. Um, and, 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 you know, for me, I think about, 
uh, again, right now I don't play football anymore. Those were days past. But now one of the things that I'm enjoying because uh, it's good, it's, it's, it's healthy for me. I enjoy getting out in the, in the open outdoors. It's good exercise. And also it's a good space for me to just think and reflect and pray as I like to go bike riding. I know that we, uh, we were talking about this the other day with Sister Lydia. But I enjoy going bike riding now. And, and in order to do that, you know, I grew up in Carson right here down the street. Like, what do you need to go bike riding in Carson? You just need a bike, right? You need to get out there, right? We didn't, we didn't have everything, helmets and elbow pads. It wasn't against the law back in those days. We were doing backflips off of ramps without stuff. I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying that's how it was, right? You know, shoes optional, you know, like, um, and, uh, but, but nowadays I'm like, okay, I want to I get on one of these bikes and do some exercise and get out there. And I started looking at it, and, man, it, it gets intense when you start thinking about all the equipment that people purchase, right? And, you know, have you ever ordered something on Amazon, right? I'm, I'm going to see like half of our folks in here say yes, and the other half say, I've never been to Brazil. What are you talking about, Pastor Koba? Um, no, it's Amazon is an online uh, uh, shopping uh, store warehouse. Uh, never mind. But the interesting thing is, is when you order something from them, because of the way they have artificial intelligence built in, they all of a sudden start suggesting to you all these other products that they think you might need because you ordered a bike water bottle. And now all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, you're going to need these shoes and you're going to need these shorts and these pants and this helmet and you're going to need this and that and the other. And, and I, I began to think about it. And, and there were four things that come to mind when it comes to properly being uh, equipped, prepared, and suited for the thing that you're trying to do. Four things that came to mind. Number one is this, purpose. Number two is protection. Number three is performance. And number four is perseverance. Purpose, protection, performance, and perseverance. As I started thinking about all the different things, like especially in, in the context of this analogy that I just used about cycling, purpose is I'm going to get these things because I want to get, I want to stay in shape. I want to enjoy the outdoors. Um, I, I want to, you know, I enjoy competing, so I'm going to challenge myself to, to get faster times and go a little bit further distances, right? So those are some of the purposes. The protection that I need in order to do that well is I'm going to need to put a helmet on. I'm going to need to wear some kind of glasses, sunglasses. I'm going to need some gloves so I don't get blisters on my hands while I go. The third one is performance. What do I need to perform better? I'm going to need a good bike pump to make sure my tires are where they need to be. I'm going to need the right clothing. I'm going to need something that clocks my, my mileage and my time. And then perseverance. What do I need in order to last and not give up? I'm going to need water. I'm going to need a bag, something that I can hold items so that I could go longer and not have to only go on short distances. So as I think about these four things, purpose, uh, um, protection, performance, and perseverance, I'm thinking about the way in which we have a purpose. Our purpose is to live for God. Our purpose is to stand against the tactics of the enemy. Our purpose is to recognize that our battle is not against people, flesh and blood, but it's against the enemy. It's against spiritual forces. It's against this plan that is out there to destroy you and your family and cause you to be disconnected from God. So I have to be aware that my purpose is to stand firm, right? But I've always heard this, I've always, and I'm not going to get too far into this this morning because we have another sequence of, of sermons, part of the Ephesians 6 uh, series. Um, but I've always heard this, a good, uh, uh, the, the best defense is a good offense. Because you could either stand firm and, and try to deflect all the attacks of the enemy, 
or you could go kill the enemy. Right? You, you could either stand firm and just say, I'm, you know, I'm going to build a... a, a I'm going to build a force field around me so that any arrows or swords or bullets that come my way. But then what happens if you do that? You're just stuck in one place, ready for the enemy to come and attack you from every direction, bringing up every kind of sin and every kind of temptation, every kind of issue to cause you to be defeated. And if we just stand in the middle of a field thinking that we're going to be de defended just by standing there, then we got another thing coming. You see, when we're part of the kingdom of God, we're part of this battle plan. The, the thing is, we, we shouldn't just have a plan as to how we can defend ourselves. We should have a plan as to how we're going to win the fight. Does that make sense? So, 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 so protection is only going to get us so far. Having a plan as to how we're going to defeat the enemy is far better. But we need to be protected in order to do that well. So as we enter into this fight and this battle, let's look again at Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 15. And we're going to focus on that uh, verse 15 portion that talks a little bit about peace. So it says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Somebody say the full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the ruler's against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So we've talked a little bit about truth a couple weeks ago. We've talked a little bit about righteousness last week. And then we're getting now into what it means to wear the shoes of peace. Right? What does it mean to wear the shoes of peace? So today we're talking about peace. And I want to just share a little bit from the Old Testament and the New Testament as, as we try to understand what it means to have our feet fitted with the, the, the readiness of the gospel of peace. First of all, the opposite of peace is chaos. The opposite of peace is turmoil. Uh, the opposite of peace is oftentimes conflict, right? Uh, in fact, in the Old Testament, we have this wonderful concept and theme that is rich and means so much more than what any of our understanding of peace might be at this point, and it's the concept of shalom. Everybody say shalom. Shalom isn't just a greeting. It's not just something you say to somebody when you see them. Ah, shalom. Yes, they do use it in greetings, but shalom is a concept that refers to a really essential theological truth of how God created things. In fact, um, uh, Genesis chapter 1 is the beginning of the shalom story when uh, essentially there was chaos. It says that the earth in the beginning, the, the, God created the heavens and the earth, and he said it was formless and void. Darkness covered it, right? And, and then it says all of a sudden God came and brought order to the chaos. So the first understanding of shalom is order instead of chaos. Many of us in here might be able to relate with that because you might think about your life and different things that you're fighting right now, different things you're going through, and it might feel chaotic. And hectic and tiring because of everything that's taking place that is potentially robbing you of your peace. Robbing you of the peace of God. And so when we go all the way back to the beginning, we see that God established 
the created order through his shalom. Right? Through his order out of chaos. He brought things. And then in the garden, we see the continuation of that shalom taking place as he created Adam and Eve. And it says that they had this beautiful relationship between God and them and humanity. And then they had this beautiful relationship between each other in the garden before they, they realized that they needed clothes, right? Uh, they had this beautiful relationship with creation, with animals, with the garden. And everything there was this shalom order in the garden at that point. And then all of a sudden, the enemy comes in to disrupt the peace, to disrupt the shalom of God. And how does he do it? By breaking down every single one of those relationships that I just mentioned. First, the enemy comes to separate them from the shalom between God and people. And then the enemy comes between the people, between Adam and Eve, to separate their shalom between each other. Which then, and I love this point about the creation narrative, caused them to sin. And in order to cover their sin, to cover, the word for covering in Hebrew is the word uh, atonement. So to atone for their sin, they had to sacrifice an animal. So now all of a sudden, the created shalom order between God and people, between people and people, and between people and creation was disrupted in that moment because of sin. So where there was supposed to be peace, all of a sudden came chaos. So I'm sharing all of this with us simply to say, as we talk about the full armor of God, and as we talk about what does it mean to, be, to have our feet covered in the peace of God, we have to understand God's intention for this kind of shalom that he has for us. Remember, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this, do not be anxious about anything. Right? What does anxious mean? It means inner chaos. Right? Turmoil that's taking place in my heart. Oftentimes we could even feel it physically with with different jitters or, or feelings of depression, whatever it may be. But the Word of God says, don't allow that inner chaos to take over your life. It says, but in every situation, somebody say every situation. I love how the Apostle Paul doesn't say in most situations or in some of the situations or in the easiest of situations. He says in every situation. I, I would... I would I would include here, especially when we feel like we can't get that kind of peace, is when God is saying to us, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, to present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we're reminded of this promise that God's peace is available for us through Jesus Christ. In every situation. Somebody say, in every situation. Because I know there's some of you who are like, well, Pastor Koba, if you just knew what I was going through over these last six months, then you would, you would probably want to question the truth of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. You, you might not uh, fully go along with what the Apostle Paul is saying. If you could just see into my life. And what I would say is this. In every situation. You have access to somebody who goes by the nickname Prince of Peace. In every situation, there's somebody who is the, the expert of shalom, the expert of arene, the expert of peace, and his name is Jesus Christ. 
and you can invite him into any chaos situation that you might be experiencing right now. And he's promised that if you do that, if you bring it before him in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, then he himself, the Prince of Peace, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus that no matter what you're experiencing or facing, supernaturally and miraculously, his peace can cover your life. His peace can cover your home. His peace can cover and reign over your marriage. His peace can cover and reign over you as you're thinking about decisions that you have to make that are causing your stomach to turn into knots. His peace can cover you when we invite the Prince of Peace into every single situation that we might be experiencing. Um, I, I read uh, um, uh, a scholar who's actually a friend of my dad's as well. His, his name is Terry McGonigal, and he wrote an article on peace. That I, and, and it's an article on shalom as he talks about these various kinds of shalom. And I, I was really drawn to it because as I was thinking about peace today, I thought this is something that I, I want to learn more about and implement in my life. And he, he, he refers to four different kinds of shalom that needs to happen uh, in our lives and around us. He talks about shalom order, which is what we've been discussing so far today. He talks about shalom stewardship, and I'm going to get into that in a moment. He talks about shalom beauty. And then shalom relationships in community. So shalom order, again, is kind of the way God intended for things to be, right? And, of course, the enemy, Satan, uh, has no creative power in and of himself. See, God, so when we're talking about this battle, I, I don't want us to get the wrong idea that we're looking at two evenly distributed teams or, 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 or nations or entities that are fighting against each other. We're, we're talking about the, the God of the universe and then this copycat who likes to disrupt whatever this amazing God tries to do. Right? So the enemy's uh, power really is to distort, not to create. Only God has creative power. But the enemy's power is to distort that which God has already done. Right? And unfortunately, we are prone to believe the lies of the enemy, to think that what he puts before us is better than what God puts before us, to think that what God has done for us and created for us and created us to do is somehow not as good as what the enemy uh, uh, puts in front of us that's all shiny and looks attractive and looks like it's going to give us happiness and satisfaction. We're tempted to go that way because the enemy's specialty is distortion, not creation. And so when we, we look at this, this passage and we look at these various shaloms, we have to recognize that God is calling us into not just uh, recognizing shalom order, but so shalom stewardship, which simply means that we have a responsibility in this call to pursuing the peace of God. And on that note, I want to make this point. There's a difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. You might be wondering, what are you talking about, Pastor Koba? What's this, what's this whole thing about peacemaking and peacekeeping? Peacekeeping oftentimes is what we do when we don't want to rock the boat or cause any waves. Peacekeeping is what takes place when uh, uh, somebody gets jumped on the corner and then we all of a sudden start saying, well, I don't want to make that fight any bigger, so I'm just going to have to walk away and pretend I didn't see that somebody got jumped on the corner and taken advantage of. Peacemaking, peace as opposed to peacekeeping, would be to call the police, to intervene, shout out real loud, hey, hey, knock it off. And all of a sudden they go running. That was peacemaking. Peacekeeping is not wanting to contribute to any conflict that's already there. 
How many of us know that every once in a while it's healthy for us to engage in conflict? Right? Because if we avoid it in our own families, well, guess what? Issues just get bigger and bigger and bigger. So sometimes it takes for a really hard conversation in order for us to, true, to find true healing and growth from that moment if we're willing to accept a little bit more conflict in order to get through that so that we could truly experience the peace of God. Does that make sense? So I want us to understand as a church that pursuing the peace of God doesn't mean that we just stay quiet, don't say nothing, don't cause any waves, stay out of the way, you know, avoid conflict. What I would say is if we do that, we're actually removing, we're actually, we're actually taking away from God's intended purpose for peace and shalom in our universe. Right? I think of somebody like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was a peacemaker. He was willing to say the hard thing that didn't make a lot of people happy, right? In fact, we know that in our government's history, he was, he was called, you know, lots of different names. He was watched by the FBI. What was he trying to do? Live out biblical justice. But he was targeted for that because it disrupted the status quo, and those who had power didn't want equality for all people. So every once in a while, we have to be willing to engage in a little bit of conflict in order to truly pursue the peace and justice and shalom of God. Is everybody with me? So shalom stewardship means we have this invitation to be part of restoring God's shalom order. Okay, we have a responsibility to not just look the other way when injustice is taking place. We have a responsibility to use our voice, right? When, when, when given the opportunity, we have this responsibility, and that's how we can be part of God's plan to restore shalom order. Is everybody with me so far? So I want to go to this point. Why is it then that peace in, the, in, in Ephesians 6, talking about the full armor of God, why is it that peace is connected to our footwear? Right? Why, why is it that peace happens to be connected to shoes in this moment? Right? Yeah, it makes me think of the different kind of footwear. I'm looking around, and I see some different footwear here this morning, right? And, uh, and, 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 and we understand that different footwear has different purposes, right? In fact, uh, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, in the pandemic, since I've been doing a lot of my work from home, there are certain days where I don't even put shoes on, not even socks, because my socks are not on a Zoom video, Right? I just put like my nice collared shirt on up here, and then I got board shorts right here, and I'm barefoot down there, right? And I just walk around, and, you know, my feet are a little bit more crusty as a result. So, I'm, so I, you know, um, but there are certain days where I don't even wear shoes, or then if I do wear shoes, I throw on my flip-flops real quick to go on a walk or whatever, right? Flip-flops are there to go to the beach or to take a, a little walk, but if I'm doing work in the yard with a shovel, I better not wear flip-flops, right? I better put on some, some tougher shoes, maybe some work boots. But if I'm going to run a marathon, I better not wear those work boots because that's going to create a lot of issues in and of itself. And if I'm, if I'm going to a track meet, then I better not even wear my, my running shoes. I better wear sprinting shoes. So all that to say, there are lots of different shoes for different purposes. But it says here in Ephesians 6 that we're putting on this, the shoes that prepare us for the gospel of peace, Right? So that it's telling us that the, the whole issue about how what we put on our feet has everything to do with what we're being prepared to do. So what, what, I, what I put on my feet has everything to do with what I'm getting prepared to do. 
So in other words, we have to ask ourselves the question, what am I getting prepared to do? Right? What is God preparing me to do? And in this case, what we're talking about here is we are being prepared to be those who bring with us wherever we go and to whomever we go the good news of Jesus Christ. Everybody remembers that the word gospel, as it shows up here in verse 15, is the word good news. Somebody say good news. Right? How is good news uh, uh, delivered from one place to another? It's brought in a message, and it's brought by a messenger. In other words, every single one of us in here has just now been uh, uh, anointed as uh, the, the postal service for the kingdom of God to deliver good news messages to those who haven't yet heard it. Right? I want you to think about it. you got a, you got a, a satchel on your side, you got a hat to block out the sun so you don't get sunburned, you got a water bottle in your bag, you got some walking shoes on, and you got a, a, a bag full of notifications that are, that are personally addressed to those who don't yet know the good news of Jesus Christ so that we, every single day we get up in the morning, have an opportunity to advance the good news of Jesus Christ in the world that we live in. How do we do that? Sometimes it's by talking about it. How else do we do that? Sometimes it's by living and demonstrating the word of God. Remember the word says, don't just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. So oftentimes the greatest witness that somebody might see is a life well lived. Because then all of a sudden people will start asking questions. Why is it that they always treat people well? Why is it that they always forgive? Why is it that they're always encouraging? Why is it that they're always willing to go the extra mile to serve somebody they never even met? Why is it that they always love their, their husband or their wife the way that they should? Why is it that they treat their children in that way and you can see the twinkle in their kids' eyes that something good is happening at home? Why is it that these people are living that way and we in that moment can look to them and say, Jesus, Jesus. And then they'll say, okay, tell me more. And all of a sudden now the window of opportunity to explain who God is was open because of the way that we are living and demonstrating a witness for God so that we can become the good news messengers of the gospel of peace. Amen, church? So it's about what we put on our feet is about preparation, what we're getting prepared to do. And, and we're getting prepared for this opportunity. And, and it, some of you might say, well, I'm not a preacher. And what I would say is this, well, can you talk? Because if you could talk, then you could tell a testimony. And if you could tell a testimony, then you could share with somebody what God has done and is doing in you. And if you could share with somebody what God has done and is doing in you, then they could start getting an idea about what God can do in their life. If they're living lost right now, if they're living confused, if they're living broken and hopeless, if they're not sure what purpose means and what identity looks like, if they're looking to the government or to media for salvation, they can be given an opportunity to see an alternative that there's a deeper purpose that they were created for and it's to be connected to their creator through Jesus who loves them and died for them. You don't have to be a preacher in order to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. All you got to do is say, Lord, you've changed my life. Once I was blind and now I see. Once I was lost and now I'm found. Once I was broken and you put me back together. Once I was hopeless and now I got joy in my heart. Once I gave up and now I can't wait to get up. You see, if you've given Jesus the opportunity to come and change your life and turn your life, I'm not just talking about going to church. 
Because anybody could show up at church. I'm talking about those who, who have experienced the life-transforming work of the living Jesus who's seated at the right hand of the Father, who loves you, who gave himself for you, and he wants to live in your heart and transform your mind so that it's no longer you who lives, but it's Christ who lives in you. I'm not just talking about somebody who owns a Bible and can drive to church. I'm talking about somebody who's experienced that there's a God who loves you, that, that lives in you, that's changed you. Who, who's transforming you into being the version of yourself that he's envisioned you to be. You see, if, if, if you've given God the opportunity to do that in your life, then you have just qualified to be a carrier of the good news of Jesus Christ. So, so where are your feet carrying you? What message do you carry in your bag? Who are you called to? Right? As the people of God, we got to think about it. We're, we've been called, we've been equipped to put on these shoes that are filled with the peace of God. In other words, as the people of God, are we, are we running into places where we're sowing even more conflict? Are we running into places where we, are, uh, where we are contributing to animosity and hatred? Or are we running with the peace and shalom of God? Our feet are being prepared with the readiness to share the life-transforming message of Jesus Christ. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not go to forever death, but instead will be given eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Where does that stem from? It stems from love. It stems from this opportunity to be part of God's plan to restore shalom order in the world that we live in. Amen? So I want to just uh, throw this out there to us. First of all, before we conclude, I want to make sure that if there's anybody here who hasn't had a chance who hasn't been given the invitation to surrender your life to Christ, to stop running your own way and living your own way, but you want to live for God, I want to make sure that everybody is given that opportunity today, whether in person or online. We're going to make that invitation in a moment. But before we get there, I want to ask these two questions related to this message today, talking about peace and how our feet are being prepared to, to bring that me the message of the gospel of peace. Um, first is this, it's going to be really difficult for us, church, I'm just going to be honest, okay, um, it's going to be really difficult for us to adequately and uh, rightly deliver the message of peace in the various settings that God has called us to if we are still wrestling with not receiving and living in the peace of God in our own lives, right? Um, the best way to do that is to fully surrender and to say, Lord, I recognize that right now I see more chaos than peace. And I'm overwhelmed by it. And I don't know what to do other than just run to you and tell you that I need you. And I don't want to carry this chaos within me anymore. I don't want it to contribute to more chaos in my own family or in my loved ones and different things like that. The first step is just simply saying, Lord, I want to surrender this to you, and I, I want to live in your peace. 
I, I want to be surrounded and covered by your shalom over my life. See, the thing about it is when that takes place, it's a, it's a ripple effect, a sequential effect that when I've given my life to, to God and his peace does, um, that surpasses understanding, does fill my heart and my mind, then I am more likely to be able to bring a message of peace to those who are living in chaos. Does that make sense? And so I want to make sure that if, if that's you today and you're thinking to yourself, I know I'm a child of God. I know I'm a son. I know I'm a daughter of God. I know he's redeemed me and he's saved me and transformed me. But for whatever reason, my current situation and, and circumstance that I'm in right now is causing me to experience more chaos than peace. I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I ask that you would restore the peace to your children, to your sons and to your daughters. Lord, uh, when they are tempted to only see and feel and experience the effects of what the enemy is trying to do, which is disrupt your shalom in their lives, I pray today, right now, in this very moment, you don't even have to change an external circumstance to supernaturally deliver your peace into the heart and mind of your children right now because it surpasses understanding, which means we, we're not even supposed to get it. We're not even supposed to understand it. And I pray, Lord, that you right now would intervene and that you would shower down upon your children your peace in their hearts and in their minds. Whatever situation they're going through, whatever circumstance they're holding and carrying, would they surrender it to you and experience right now the promise of your peace in their life. Prince of Peace, we ask that you would do this. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. And I want to ask right now, is there, if there's anybody here who has not yet made Jesus your Lord and your Savior, you've not yet said in your life, I want to surrender to you and I want to make you my God. I'm tired of doing it on my own and I'm ready to welcome you, Jesus, into my life as my Lord and my Savior. If there's anybody here who's ready to make that commitment today, would you raise your hand right there where you are? Don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Don't be nervous. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. If that's you at home, you're watching online right now, I want you just to, to, to take this moment to get ready to commit your life to Jesus, that this is the best day, the best decision that you could ever make. You'll never regret this decision for the rest of all eternity. If there's anybody who's ready to make that decision today to say, I'm ready to give you my life. And I want to ask this question. Maybe there's somebody here who you've never, you, you've made that decision before, but right now you're in a place where you really need to about face because you're not currently facing the direction that God's called you to. You've walked away, you've done your own thing, you've drifted away, and you need to be realigned, reunited with God, and you're ready to, for today to be that day that you've made that decision to say, I'm tired of going against God's will and plan for my life. I'm turning toward him again today, and I'm making that decision today. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand today as well. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid. Don't be confused. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Again, for those who are watching online, if that's you, we're going to say a prayer. You can put your hand down now at this point. Praise the Lord. We're going to say a prayer together as a church as we get ready to dismiss. For those who are online and for those who are here in person, if you're making any of those decisions for the first time or maybe you're rededicating your life to Christ, we want to make sure that you have an opportunity to connect with our church and pastoral staff because we want to follow up with you to encourage you to pray with you 
Make sure to reach out. If you're online, go ahead and send us a message. You could put it in the comments box. We will follow up with you for those who are here in person. Make sure to connect with us at our connections booth or let us know so that we can be praying with you. Amen. Let's pray together this morning to dismiss. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this powerful passage of scripture the Apostle Paul has given us through the Ephesian church to be fully armored, fully equipped, fully ready for the battle that we're called into. It ain't easy. We recognize it. Man, some of, maybe, maybe an arrow has gotten through and we're trying to break it off and keep limping our way forward in this battle. It, it isn't always easy. But we thank you, Lord, that you have promised us the equipment that we need. Today we thank you for your peace. And we need your peace. Fill us, Lord, with more of your peace. Father, for those today who are making a decision to either rededicate their life to you or for the first time to become a believer, to become a Christian, to become a child of God today, Lord, would you uh, meet each one in your own special way? Would your Holy Spirit work and align all of us with your spirit, with your plan for our lives? We thank you for a chance to worship together. We thank you for a chance to study your word together and to encourage each other today on this beautiful Sunday you've given us. Be with us as we go. Lord, work in us. Make us more and more like you. Forgive us of our sin and of our shortcomings. Help us, Father, to live in a way that brings honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you, church.